0: Grace to and peace from God, our Father, and from our risen and living Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. God's word, which we hear this morning, is from the Gospel of John, chapter 3, verses 1 to 17. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered and said to him, are you the teacher of Israel and do not know these things? Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we have seen, and you do not receive our witness. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is, the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So far the word of the Lord. Sanctify us by your truth, O Lord. Your word is truth. Amen. In the very ancient church, very early on, it was often the custom that the Sundays in Lent were used to... Uh, prepare initiates for baptism. They were often baptized on Easter Sunday. Consequently, the Sundays in Lent often focused on some of the basic teachings, a review of the basic teachings of the Christian faith. That certainly is reflected in our sermon text this morning and some of our other sermon texts that we have in the lectionary for Lent as well. Certainly today is a good review of one of the most basic of the Christian teachings, that Jesus came into this world in order to save sinners, in order to die for the sins of the world, to bring salvation to sinful men. Nicodemus, even though he was a teacher, a highly regarded teacher, one of the uh, members of the Sanhedrin in the nation of Israel, needed to be taught this very simple lesson. And we certainly aren't above the need to review it as well. Jesus hints at many things in our text. He hints at the power and efficacy of baptism. He mentions the marks of the church that we talked about in the children's sermon. But by far the main point of what he is trying to teach us is that he came in order to bring us salvation. This salvation that Jesus came to bring, Jesus makes it clear, is exclusive to him. We cannot find it and it is not offered anywhere else. This basic understanding that there is no hope of salvation anywhere other than Jesus is something that Jesus has to explain to Nicodemus before he can go on to show him the wonderful good news that he did that he has salvation through jesus christ when we think of john chapter three we often think right away of john 316 that beautiful proclamation of the gospel that god in this way god loved the world we sometimes misunderstand the so in john 316 sometimes people think god so loved the world this is how much he loved it but actually the the Greek there means that in this way, God showed his love. But anyway, we often think first of that John 3.16, that beautiful proclamation of the gospel. But here in John three verse six, we have an equally powerful proclamation of the law and the condemnation that comes without Christ. Jesus tells Nicodemus, that which is born of flesh is flesh. It's not something, he's not saying something good about man there. He's absolutely condemning any attempt to reach God outside of himself. Everything that man does, he says, everything he thinks is born from a sinful heart and is sin. That which is flesh is flesh. It is not the spirit and has no part in the kingdom of God. Jesus reiterates this exclusiveness of salvation through him also in verse 13 when he tells us that no one has ascended to heaven except the Son of Man who came down from heaven. It's certainly not for a lack of trying. Many have attempted to get to heaven on their own. We can think all the way back to the Tower of the Babel and the men who attempted to reach God through that earthly building. And many others have attempted many other ways to ascend to heaven, to reach up to God. But Jesus is universal again in his condemnation. No one has made it. No one has found any way to heaven except the one, the Son of Man, Jesus, who came down from heaven. He alone offers a way to God. We see this also, we heard in our our Lenten service on Wednesday about Jesus praying in the garden. And what did he pray there? He prayed, Father, if it is possible, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not your will, but mine be done. Yet the Father did not take the cup from Jesus, did he? The cup that Jesus was talking about was his death for the sins of the world. The Father did not take it from him, indicating that there was no other way. Jesus prays, if it is possible, and the Father says, it is not possible. This is the only way of salvation. So once again, we see that there is no way of salvation other than Jesus' death. We see it even in our Old Testament reading from, from Genesis chapter 12, when God speaks to Abraham. And what does God tell Abraham? He says, those who bless you will be blessed. And those who curse you will be cursed. God is speaking to Abraham there, but he's speaking to Abraham in view of the promise of the seed that would be born to Abraham. Namely, Jesus Christ. And so what God is talking about there is that those who bless Abraham and his seed, Jesus, will be blessed through that seed. Those who curse Abraham and his seed, Jesus, will be cursed. In other words, those who look to Jesus will be saved. They will receive the blessing of God. But those who turn away from Jesus, that seed of Abraham, will not receive God's blessing but remain under the curse of the law. So even all the way back in Genesis chapter 12, God is clear that it is through that seed of Abraham alone, through Jesus alone, that salvation is possible. This is a hard thing. It's a hard thing to accept that all the works of man, that all the efforts of man are nothing, and that without Christ, all men stand condemned before the throne of God. And because it's a hard thing to accept, many have turned away from it. Even early on in the Christian church, people began to say, well, what about Aristotle? What about Plato? These are giants of philosophy. These are great thinkers. Surely what they did amounts to something, and so there began to be this teaching that, well, yes, God provided a way of salvation for them outside of Jesus. In our day is no different. Many churches reject the exclusivity of salvation through faith in Jesus alone. And they say, well, God wouldn't do that. They have their way up to God and, and their way of salvation, and we have ours. But Christ is clear. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. No one has ascended to heaven except the Son of Man which came down from heaven. Salvation is exclusively the free gift of God which is given to us through Jesus Christ. Jesus also demonstrates in our text that this salvation is objective. It is a thing that is outside of ourself and not dependent upon us. In any motivational speech or good uh, ad campaign, it's important to have a call to action. That is, something that the people you're talking to can do in order to join the cause. Jesus does not neglect the call to action in our text. In fact, it's the first thing he says. Nicodemus comes to Jesus and he wants to talk and Jesus responds immediately to Nicodemus with a call to action. You must be born again. However, what's odd about Jesus' call to action is that he also makes it clear that it's not something we can do. Nicodemus responds to Jesus by saying, well, how is that possible? How can I do this? You've told me I need to be born again. How can I do this? And Jesus' response is, you can't. That which is born of flesh is flesh. This is a thing of the Spirit. This is a thing that God does for you. You must be born of water and the Spirit. And so Jesus' call to action in our text is not a call for us to action, but is a call for God, to God for action. The action that God does for us. it's very clear when Jesus talks about being born of water and the Spirit that he is describing baptism. Baptism is described in just this way in other places in Scripture. For example, Titus 3.5. Not by works of righteousness which you have done, but according to his mercy he saved us through the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. But even this reference to baptism, Jesus makes it clear, is something that God does for us, not something that we do for God. Thus it is objective, it is outside of ourselves. Jesus demonstrates this also in our text with the description of the bronze serpent. You remember the bronze serpent in the wilderness, how the people were being bitten by snakes and dying. And Moses set up under God's command a bronze serpent on a pole. And whoever looked at that bronze serpent, if they were bitten, if they looked, they did not die. They were were saved from that, that physical death. Again, that bronze serpent was something outside of themselves. It was objective. Those who looked were saved regardless of the thoughts of their heart. Jesus did not say you will be saved if you believe enough or if you do something else. But he said those who look will be saved. And so they were because the promise was given in connection with the serpent, not in connection with the thoughts of their hearts. We see this very clearly also with regard to Naaman the Syrian, don't we? We know that Naaman the Syrian did not believe that the waters of the Jordan would cleanse his leprosy. He said, this is ridiculous, this isn't going to do anything, we have cleaner water uh, back in Syria. And yet he did it anyway. And he was cleansed. Again, because the promise was connected to the water and not to the faith in naaman's hearts so also god's promises in baptism are given with regard to the water and the word they're not given with regard to the faith in our hearts so also our salvation is given based on christ who was lifted up just as the bronze serpent was lifted up independent of the thoughts of our hearts jesus was lifted up he was on the cross And through that cross, salvation is offered to the whole world. This is a thing of the Spirit. It is a thing of God that is independent of us. It is objective. And therefore, we can be confident in those promises of God. Because Jesus did die for our sins. Finally, Jesus also makes it clear that this salvation is universal. God loved the world that through him the world might be saved. Christ died for all, for everyone. Christ was lifted up for the sins of all mankind, and through that death it is offered to all. It's true that many do not accept what is offered to them through Jesus' death. That does not change the fact that it is offered. Their rejection does not change the promise that is given to us through Christ. Salvation is the free gift of God. It is accomplished by Christ without any help from us. It is offered to the whole world, including us, even if we are, as we just sang, chief of sinners, and it is given only through Jesus Christ. Amen. The peace of God that surpasses all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.